0: At long last, the World Series is upon us. And we have the two number 1 seeds. The big market, big payroll Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers come from behind in the series. They come from in game 7. And right on the taking on the amazing Tampa Bay Rays out of the right of second in the pitch, swinging a pop fly shallow right, charging Margot. He is under it, and the Tampa Bay Rays have just won the American League pennant for the second time in franchise history. The Rays are on their way to the World Series. Who wins and how? We find out next. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a swing and a belt. Tyler Kepner has been with the New York Times since 2000 and has been the Times' national baseball writer since 2010. He is also the author of K, a history of baseball in 10 pitches, which I read last year and is terrific, where he looks at 10 pitches and the pitchers who perhaps threw those pitches better than anyone else ever has. Tyler now joins us from Texas, where he is on site getting ready to cover the World Series. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm all right. How are you, Dan? I'm well. Uh, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. We're calling the games for ESPN Radio uh, from the studio. Uh, You're one of the guys in the bubble. Uh, How are things going down in Arlington right now?
1: Uh, Well, we'll find out. I'm still at the hotel, but I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to seeing this new stadium. It's the only one I haven't seen. And, um, you know, just sort of seeing what it's like covering a a World Series uh, in this strange time. I mean, it's. I debated whether to even bother coming down because, you know, you don't get any extra access to, to right. people but just the idea of being here and seeing what it's like I thought was important
0: stay safe I, I hope it uh, winds up being worth the trip and I, and I don't know about you I think it's got a chance to be a great World Series and I'm pretty sure I say that every year but I find this one compelling on a number of levels it's the two number one seeds it's almost like the you know the Dodgers are a souped up version of the Rays they're both so analytical but they're both so creative what, what are your kind of big picture thoughts going into the World Series this year
1: Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, I mean, just look at the Rays, um, you know, front office and and how teams desire uh, a little bit of that magic. And the Dodgers, more than anyone, the Dodgers hired, uh, you know, Andrew Friedman six years ago from the Rays, and um, he applies a lot of the Rays uh, thinking to the Dodgers. But the interesting thing for me is that over the last couple of years, the Dodgers have maybe moved away a little bit from the Mm -hmm. let's match up every possible scenario the way the Rays do. Um, the Dodgers now have eight guys who start every game, whereas the Rays just, you know, they'll they will mix and match that lineup every day. I think William Adames stays in there and, of course, a Rosa Reina, you know, Mike Zanino. But most of the time, um, they are changing everything around to try to get that small edge.
0: If a friend of yours who wasn't a big baseball fan came to you and said, hey, Tyler, you're a big baseball guy, right? I, I need to ask you a question. My question is... How does Tampa Bay do it when they spend less than just about anybody else? How would you explain the race success to, you know, to a casual baseball fan?
1: Yeah, that's the biggest question. Um, I mean, they're very smart, of course, but I think what they do best is they look for certain aspects of a player and they accentuate those. You know, they'll find a guy who, take G-Man Choi, their first baseman, right? Now, Choi bounced around from the Angels to the Yankees to the... Milwaukee Brewers never really found a spot and the Rays traded a guy named Brad Miller for them and you know Brad has hit a bunch of home runs and everything but they felt like G-Man Choi is a guy who can crush righties. Yeah, that ball's hit hard in the left center field that is way back
0: and G-Man has sent one out of here. Two run blast for G-Man Choi and just like that the Tampa Bay Rays are on top three to two. Astros rookies.
1: And that ball's hit
0: high and deep. man Choi will watch it fly.
1: This game is tied at three. So they'll use him against right-handers, put him in his best position to succeed. And then when a lefty's in there, they'll use someone else, someone else who crushes lefties. So they create a lot of these sort of half players, um, and they just find what they do well. Kevin Kiermaier is not the best hitter in the world, but he's an amazing center fielder. And in the air, center field. Kiermaier drifting back. Ball's carrying, and
0: Kiermaier makes the play! Oh, what a catch! Kevin Kiermaier pulls one back, and he sends one to center
1: field. Kiermaier on the run. He lays out and makes another great catch! Oh my goodness! what a catch by Kevin Kiermaier to
0: end the bottom of the third inning. Look at this, goes full extension to Rob Carlos Correa, and if you're Dusty Baker and them, you got to be thinking, what do we have to do to get a hit?
1: <laughs> so he gives them great defense and center, and he'll get some few clutch hits. So they find partial parts of players, and they throw them all together and match them up the best they can.
0: So here's something, if you want to do, it might be fun in the press box. Chris Singleton, who's doing the games with me, we, we've covered the, the Rays' last couple of rounds. We've been doing this game every day. Each morning, we text each other at the exact same time with what we think the Rays' lineup is going to be that night. Ooh! You get one point for having the guy in the lineup, and you get one point for having him in the right defensive position. So a perfect score, I guess, would be 18 if you're including DH or 17 without Neither one of us has gotten a perfect score once yet, <laughs> yet in the postseason. Wow! Uh, I think we each hit sixteen once. But listen, you're in the bubble. You need you know outside sources of entertainment. I like it. If you get eighteen, I want to hear from you right away.
1: All right, I like
0: it. it. It's an endless game, and, and there's no winning it. You, there's constant playing, but, there, but there's no winning. Where are you with the Rays? We all know they are very analytically inclined. And I may be wrong here, but it also feels to me like Kevin Cash does manage with feel as well, that it's not all predetermined. And this has been a huge topic of conversation around baseball for the Rays, for the Dodgers, for the Blue Jays, for the Yankees in recent weeks. Where are you as you look at Tampa Bay on their, you know, how they measure up both analytically and in terms of the feel that Cash has during a game?
1: Well, I think Cash has the feel for the players in general and what they will buy into and what they will accept. But I think he really goes by, mostly by the plan. Because if there was ever a time to go by feel, it would have been the other day with Charlie Morton. I mean, he looked in game seven, just Tremendous. I mean, Mm -hmm. he had 66 pitches through almost six innings. He had just given up an infield single. But they really do not believe in letting pitcher face a lineup three times. They think of, you know, relievers as instead of firemen, you know, more like uh, peacekeepers, right? So, you know, like they would rather before the fire gets started, they would rather have someone in to just keep it from beginning. In other words, so they try to anticipate what might happen and keep it from happening rather than letting things get bad and then having a reliever called into a bad situation. So I don't think he manages a lot from field. I really don't, Dan. I think he sticks to the script because they feel like if they play that script enough, they'll win.
0: They won 90 games two years ago. They won 96 games last year. They had the best record in the league this year. Like I know on the outside looking in, there's this whole the little engine that could and aren't they plucky and feisty and what a great story. But I know they don't think of themselves that way. They think of themselves as, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with any team in baseball. Now, we've got to do it differently, but we can go toe-to-toe with any team in baseball. Do you look at them as having a very good chance to win this World Series? Are, are Are they an underdog? Are they even? How do you look at these two teams?
1: Yeah, I think they're the underdog for sure. Just, I mean, the Dodgers did have a better record. The Dodgers have been here in the World Series now three times in the last four years. They've got the big names and everything but as you say, it doesn't it really doesn't come down to that and the Rays really don't care because they've seen how you know the combined efforts of, of all of them can beat anyone. So I don't think they're a huge underdog as you say they were the best team in the American League um, and they definitely deserve to be here. So I'd give the edge to the Dodgers just because um, of their recent experience and because they were better in the regular season. but Tampa by exploiting those little matchups all throughout the game, it really does add up. So I, I'd pick L.A., but I don't think Tampa's uh, you know, a, a big underdog at all.
0: I find the Dodgers such an interesting team to watch, like just as a fan. It doesn't matter whether or not I'm doing their next game, to watch Bellinger, to watch Mookie Betts, to watch Corey Seager. I think they're great TV or great radio, however you want to put it. I, I think they're a great baseball team to watch. Is there a player, just as a fan of the game, is there a player on the Dodger team that really fascinates you the most?
1: Well, Mookie Betts is just a joy to watch all the time. I mean, I, I got to see a lot of him, um, you know, when he was with the Red Sox. Watched a lot of Dodger games this year, not really going to the ballpark. And he just does so many things just right. I mean, you know, whether it's making the perfect throw or timing his jump perfectly and making a catch. Freddie Freeman lifts this one way up there. It's like Betts didn't see it at first. Now goes back, jumps, and he does it again! stamp
0: all over the NLCS defensively.
1: Running the bases, obviously the power from that small frame. Uh, Godot
0: delivers and Betts drills one to left, and that one is gone. Seven home runs for the Dodgers this afternoon and two for Mookie Betts. 11-2.
1: He's just a a delight to watch play, and he really, uh, you know, Brings a, a new element that that team needed. So I, I love watching Mookie. I mean, there's a lot of great players to, to watch, but um, Mookie's at the top of the list.
0: Have you written over the years about Clayton Kershaw's October numbers or his October performance? And if so, which side do you come down on? You know, he just hasn't been very good, or circumstances have conspired against him sometimes. How do you look at Kershaw's October over the years?
1: Well, he's had enough chances, enough starts, enough innings to where you would expect that his postseason numbers would look just like his regular season numbers. Maybe a little, you know, higher ERA and stuff because his ERA is just outrageous in the regular season. Because most players over time tend to play just about like they do mm-hmm. in uh, the regular season. Yeah. But Kershaw is, is, you know, his ERA is a lot higher. He, he's had a lot more stumbles. Um, when you look at the overall stuff, I think his stuff is still pretty good. He still strikes out a lot of guys in October. There have been some circumstances, you know, in individual games you can point to where maybe they extended him too long or or maybe, you know, threw one bad pitch and Matt Adams hit it for a home run, that kind of thing. But he's had a lot of good games too. That's what I think people don't understand. I mean, he's 11 and 12 overall. You'd expect a little better. But, you know, Greg Maddox had a losing record in, in the postseason. Tom Glavin did too. And, and, and a lot of times they pitched well. It's hard to win in the postseason. Justin Verlander's 0 and 6 in the World Series. I mean, he's good in the other rounds, but, you know, and he hasn't always pitched badly. So it's tough, but I tell you, Dan, what I want more than anything big picture-wise, I would love it if Clayton Kershaw just went out there and threw two shutouts and just silenced this forever. Because we saw the same thing years ago with Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson had a lot of bad luck in the postseason. He pitched well, but he'd lose. He'd lose to Kevin Brown or Mike Mussina. He had some, you know, memorable appearances against the Yankees for uh, Seattle, but mostly Randy Johnson was looked at as a guy who could not win the big one and always struggled in October. Then came 2001 and one great October he put it all to rest. And I'd love for Clayton's legacy, if he just goes out there, dominates the World Series, wins the MVP award and then never has to talk about it again, just like David Price 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. Price had the same thing. Price was amazing against uh Houston and uh, the Dodgers and Price is now a big game guy.
0: I'm kind of with you. I mean, I I am always neutral especially because I'm calling the game, so it's very important for me to to be neutral, but I don't if the Dodgers lose, I don't want it to be because Kershaw had a bad game. I think right. he deserves better than that and you know, his regular season legacy is as good a pitcher as we've seen in our lifetimes. I mean, there's Johnson and Maddox and Pedro, but I mean, what Clayton Kershaw has done has been phenomenal, and I'm with you. He's been too good to the game and too important to the game, in my mind, for this to continually drag him down. So I hope whatever happens for the Dodgers, I hope he goes out there and has a couple of great starts.
1: Perfectly said.
0: He's done so much
1: for the game. He's been so great that you would hate that that part of his legacy to stain a
0: little bit what was it like when you wrote the book k talking about a a history of baseball in 10 pitches one of the pitches you profiled was clayton kershaw's slider what was it like talking to him getting to know him spending time with him talking about his pitches
1: well it's funny because he talks about how he wasn't really that great at the start of his career and he was very young but he was saying how until he got that slider he really didn't become a fully formed pitcher because his curveball we all know is so, is is so pretty to watch it's mm-hmm. it's so it's so great but a lot of times hitters just take it for balls you know they recognize it and know they can't hit it so you know they'll sit on the fastball and if, if Clayton couldn't locate that pitch for strikes you know he was going to be in trouble working high pitch counts and everything so he really needed that third pitch because he's never been able to develop a changeup even though he mentions it in that tire commercial all the time yeah isn't (laughs) isn't that bizarre I find that so funny (laughs) I know it's so weird Uh, but he doesn't have it he never has
0: what's he gonna chase the slider nah the changeup oh I've got it
1: curveball He had never really thrown a slider until he came up and started throwing it in a bullpen session at Wrigley Field when he was a rookie, you know, with Rick Honeycutt um, was around and A.J. Ellis was catching him. A.J. was just up for the minors, too. Mike Borzello, Joe Torre, and they were like, oh, wow, this kid can really throw a slider. Like, where has that pitch been? So as good as Clayton was as a prospect, you know, he needed that slider to keep hitters honest and to have something that looks like his fastball for a really long time, you know, and and then just dives... uh, away from uh, that plane. So that's the pitch that made him. Um, it really is. It's a lot like Ian Anderson. You know, when I think of Ian Anderson with the Braves, he was a top pick. He was a great prospect too. But until he found that changeup mm-hmm. as a pro, he was not going to be a star. And that's what Clayton is. You now. He sees That slider has, has made him what he is.
0: All right. As a connoisseur of fine pitches, give me one other pitch in this series, like one other pitcher who has one specific pitch that really fascinates you.
1: Uh, I got to go. Charlie Morton's curveball. I love that pitch. You know, for a guy who, who came up with the, the pirates as as ground chuck, you know, a guy who'd throw sinkers and make you put it on the ground. The evolution that Charlie has has made to a mm-hmm. a strikeout guy, you know, high fastballs and a killer curve. And he's got other stuff too, but I love I love that Charlie Morton curveball. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. That, you know, a guy with a fastball curveball contrast is always especially fun.
0: Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, are you in the prediction business? If I ask you who's gonna win and in how many, do you do that sort of thing?
1: Sure, why not?
0: Okay. Who's gonna win and in how many?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always root for seven, and we've never seen three seven game series. You know, there's never been two LCSs that went seven and a seven game world series. That said, I think the uh, the Dodgers will wrap this up in six.
0: All right, I, I I don't think that's a contrarian point of view. I think most people will be on your side, but I'm also hoping for seven. I I, I hope it's got, going to be uh, an epic series. Uh, Tyler, we appreciate this. Stay safe down there and enjoy the baseball. And thanks for doing this.
1: All right, thanks a lot, Dan. Enjoy uh, enjoy calling them from Bristol.
0: Thank you. Our thanks to Tyler Kepner, the national baseball writer for the New York Times, a great writer. The book is terrific, A History of Baseball in 10 Pitches. It's called, quite simply, K, and uh, he really knows his baseball, really knows his pitching, and always great to catch up with him as he is down in the bubble in Arlington for the World Series. I don't know about you guys, but I am very excited for this one. I think it's got a chance to be tremendous and really looking forward to see how it turns out. This episode of A Swing and a was produced by Amil Delich. Enjoy the beginning of the World Series. Until next time, I'm Dan Schulman. Proud of this team, no matter what, they did not quit. Down 3-1, 3-2, 3-3, not one at all, 4-3, but we're not done.
1: Everything about the Dodgers is, is winning, and you know, that's in my DNA, and so that's why I chose to stay here.